Number two, they come to understand the hope of the call of God upon their life. And number three, that they come to understand the benefits and the promises of God towards them. And number four, driving all of that, understanding the greatness of God's power that dwells in the life of the believer. And so from there tonight, I just want to move on to talk about the benefits. The benefits. So somebody say, I'm ready for my benefit. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, man, but I am ready for my benefits. Amen. And so with that, we can go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103, and this is just a summarized version of the benefits of God. Just a summarized version. In Psalms 103, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 68, I believe verse 19, tells us that God daily loads us yeah. with benefits. So if you have not gotten your benefit today, something's wrong. You should never leave your house any day, any morning without acknowledging that today you are going to be loaded. Amen. Notice God did not say, I'm just going to give you a benefit. He daily loads. Loads. That's supposed to send a picture to us. It's not just handing you one thing here. One. It's a loadful. Loadful. Lots of benefit. Amen? And so now, let's continue now. Verse 3, Psalms 103. We now begin to see this benefit. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? You know, it's amazing that God gave this inspiration to David. And it's important for you to note this because when you now read in Acts 13 about how David is a man after God's heart, you wonder what is God talking about. It's because of things like this. Nobody else in the Old Testament spoke about God like this. They did not have a revelation of who God is the way David did it. And so for David to sit in the Old Testament era under the law, and look forward and see what we are seeing now about what he just wrote is incredible. That's why God said, this man is a man from my heart. He lived in the old time, but he's so connected with me, he knew what I was. Or what I am. And who I am. And what I'm about to do. Amen? So now, with that being said now, let's go back and look at these benefits. These benefits, you notice, are not listed carelessly. Huge. The only point I'm going to make tonight is this point I'm about to make now. It was not a haphazard listing of the benefits. Forget not his benefits. Full stop. He forgives our iniquities. Number one. It is huge that you understand why this list began with that issue. Because if you don't get this right, the rest of the benefits will elude you. Huge. Okay. Let, let's go to Matthew, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. You'll see the point in a minute. The forgiveness of sins 
is the benefit of benefits. It didn't move you guys yet. Okay. Ah, no, no, no. That's, that's all right. That's all right. You will see in a minute. Mark chapter 2. Jesus demonstrated this to us beautifully. Verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Say, Jesus is in the house. Amen. Immediately many gathered together, so there was not, no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. So what do you think this paralytic need? Very good. You are good students. Very, very good. All right. So they brought a paralytic to him who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they laid down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, wait a minute. This man is a paralytic. To the natural eye, a paralytic needs healing. But Jesus did not speak healing to him because Jesus understood that the root cause of every human dilemma from time immemorial was the sin issue. There was no sin in the garden. There was no death in the garden. There was no poverty in the garden. When God brought forth Adam everything was working. Death came as a result of what? Sin. Romans made that clear. Sickness came as a result of what? Sin. Before, before the fall, time was not marked the way we're marking it now. Men were not decaying. If there had been no sin, you live for 2,000 years, you look like you're looking when you were 15. Absolutely. But when sin came, everything changed. Incredible. They brought a sick man to Jesus. He's looking at a sick man, and Jesus is not crazy. The man wanted to walk. That was the problem. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Because he understood that the root cause of what got the guy bound is not the paralysis, but the sins that were not forgiven. And this is the reason for which this is the most controversial area in grace today. Till now, till now. This is the most controversial area of, because if you don't get this right, if you don't understand this, if you don't have this part down, the enemy will wear you out and, you, and he will rob you of your confidence before God to claim your goods. Listen to what uh, David said in Romans chapter 4. To show you how scriptures just, uh, well, let, let me finish this passage so you can see that. Let, let me just finish this. And then I'm going to go to Romans chapter 4. Mark chapter 2. Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of, verse 6, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about this things in your heart? Okay, which one is easier? To say to the paralytic, paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, arise, take up your work, bed and walk? Which one do you prefer? Multiple choice. A and B. A, your sins are forgiven. B, take up your... Which one, okay, which one you rather have? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I said to you, arise. Take your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose. Now, I'm sharing this to us to see the, 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 to see the equation between forgiveness of sins and the manifestation of healings. Or any other benefit for that matter. And the reason is because if we have missed this, if the enemy at any time gets you to doubt whether God is forgiving you, if the enemy gets you any moment to think and to, to, to question your salvation, your footing with God, he's got you. The question is, do you feel 100% forgiven 100% of the time? Wow, it's quiet in here. I say, do you feel 100% forgiven 100% of the time? That's an issue you have to settle. Because if you only feel 90% forgiven, there are some sins that are too, too big that God cannot forgive it. Ah, you're in trouble. In fact, thank God, okay, the person is not here. Thank God. I got a phone call. No, seriously, I got a phone call yesterday. And the person said to, said to me, I cannot forgive my spouse. They've done A, B, C, D. I cannot forgive them. And I said to myself, mm, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, we're going to get there. Not forgiving your spouse or somebody else does not stop God's forgiveness to you. We need to get that. That's Old Testament thinking. But let's move on. Romans chapter 4. Remember, we are talking tonight about the benefits of God to the believer. And David, who best can tell us about this? Who, who best can tell us about God's forgiveness? David, who has blown it significantly over time. You and I would not sin enough for, in one lifetime to, to compare to what David did. Hopefully not. <laughs> and yet with confidence, forget not his benefits. Who forgives? Oh my God. Look at that word forgives. It is a who forgave as if it was past tense. Forgives. Present. Continuous. Who forgives? What you will do tomorrow is forgiven. Ah. This is what I say religious. We've been talking grace for two years. You, guys, you don't get it yet. What you will do next month is forgiven. Now, we will bring the balance. We are not asking to go out there and rob the bank. And live a lifestyle of riotous living that will wreck your life, wreck your family, wreck your children, wreck you for generations. That's not what we're talking about. And even if you did that, even if you did that, God is so much bigger than you and I 
that is taking care of it. Now, listen, I don't understand it. But it's not asking for counsel with me to understand. He's just said to me, believe what I'm telling you. And who is best able to tell us than David? Who is better able to tell us than David? Now, Romans chapter 4. This is huge because this is the first list of benefit. Because David, and we now know, recognize that if you miss this first benefit, is the benefit that unlocks the rest of the benefits. Yes, that's right. Because if you are if you need healing, okay, I'll get to that in a minute. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly. Did you hear that? He justifies the ungodly. Can you be- believe that? His faith is accounted for righteousness. Hear this. Verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from work. That word imputes, it charges it to your account. It charges righteousness to your account apart from your behaving. It charges it to your account. Not because, Derek, you earned it. Not because you worked for it. Oh, no. Not because you are deserving. He imputes. He charges. It's the reason I'm using that. Okay. okay. Look at what David said. Blessed, verse 7, are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Not only is it forgiven, it's covered. By the power of the blood. All those, those two things are so impressive, but that's not what blew me away. The last, next sentence. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall, shall, shall not impute sin. Shall not impute sin. You know, you know, you know that word imputation again, we see. Just as he charged righteousness to you, we are now told he will not charge sin to you. It's not that you didn't sin, you will not charge it. This word imputation is the accounting terminology. Bookkeeping. Many of us here cannot do our banking bookkeeping. We, don't, we can't balance our checkbooks. God is saying in his bookkeeping mechanism, he will not charge, first of all, he will charge righteousness to your account on the ledger and then will not charge or do a bookkeeping of sin to your account. So for you and I, that still stuck three years ago, what you did, as bad as that thing was, that God has already forgotten and totally, completely taken care of, he forgave it, he covered it, and it's no charge. You are stuck three years. We are in 2015, but you're stuck in 2012. Because you just don't believe that God can be so gracious. In that situation, healing will elude you. Let, let me tell you why. Prosperity will elude you. It's simple. The same blood that got you saved, 
salvation, sozo, that same blood one time that got you born again. When you were born again, it was not just a singular item that was charged to your account. Forgiveness was charged. Righteousness was charged. Prosperity was charged. Healing was charged. I mean, every good thing that you can ever think of was packaged and charged and given to you. So if by faith you receive being born again, and now you are refuting the other part, you are hurting yourself. It's a package deal. God did not separate them. The same work of the cross that brought us to salvation is the same work of the cross that gives us the rest of the benefits. Huge. That's why Jesus could say to the man that was paralyzed and say, listen, your sins are forgiven because he understands if you can take that away, everything else you should to the man. This is a huge sticking point. For years, I did not believe this. I own up. Because it's too, it's too simple and too good to be true. Too good to be true. But this is the reason we must believe it. Let me go back to Ephesians for a minute. This is the reason. Because in my own mind's eye, I, I, it, I mean, look at Ephesians 1 in verse 7. Look at what it says. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Ha! Huh. Back in the day, according to Banker Kimola, it has to be according to the works you do. The penance you do for your forgiveness. What did you do? Show me some real, serious, concrete proof that you will not do it again. Then maybe I'll forgive you. It's true. It's true. But look at what God says. The forgiveness of sins according to to the riches of his grace. So you and I are not forgiven because of what we do. We are forgiven according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the thinking of Bank Akin Mola. Huge. According to the riches of his unmerited favor. According to the riches of his undeserved favor. That's how we forgive it. Another scripture, I believe in the, in the book of Psalms, says, Our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? No, no, no. Are you serious? Now, we read these scriptures, but for some reason, doesn't reckon. They are removed from us as far as the east is from the west, which means it is not possible. For it to ever come, up, come back together. Now, the reason we struggle is because we really don't understand how we're made. That we're three people in one. You're a, sp you're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. The day you are born again, your human spirit was recreated. That spirit became recreated Paul says, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. That's what he's talking about. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are... What became new? That spirit. The spirit of God came and lived instead in the place of that old human spirit. Are you following me? So as far as that's concerned, you're 100% God in your spirit. 
So which part of you will be lost then if you now sinned? How can you be lost? These are, these are basic. These are fundamentals. Now, I've, I've said it and I'm saying it again. Sin does not pay. The wages of sin is still death. A, a believer that participates in sin, you are walking death in your own system. Because the principle still remains. Whatsoever man soweth, that you shall also reap. You understand that? And sin, more than anything else, will disallow you from seeing and embracing the love of God. That love is there. It's constant. But if when a man or a woman begins to sin, that sin disfigures. It, it mars your ability to, to perceive the love that God is trying to bring to you. It's to your own disadvantage when you do that. God loves everybody. The reason we, we, we are able to receive God's love at different levels is the sin issue. If I'm constantly indulging in sin, I will not be able to perceive and see how much God loves me. He loves you anyhow. That will never change. But you, your ability to receive it and perceive it is determined by how much sin you engage in. Huge. Sin is not a good proposition. It's not a good proposition. Do you understand that? So we are definitely not teaching that anybody grew and, grew and sin because they go to heaven. That's not the point. You do it, you wreck your life while you're here. And that, that, that's that of your children and generations to come. Having said that, it does not remove or discount the love of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now I need to hurry here. I need to hurry here. So as a believer when I sin, what do I do? Do I need to confess it to God? I know, I know we've talked about this before, but since I'm teaching on this again, I think it, it, you know, it's, it's important that we just touch this, and then I want to talk about how, how, how we respond to offenses to one another. It's huge. It's huge. So the question is, if God is already forgiving me for next week's offense, why am I, forg- why am I confessing it? Well, I hear somebody say, well, you should confess it because first John 1, 9, first John 1, 9, say so. Let's go read it. Let's go read it. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our righteousness. Yes, it's in the Bible. Absolutely, it's in the Bible. But have you not learned since you began this grace walk that all the Bible is written for you, but all of it is not written to you? Did you hear what I just said? The entire Bible is written for you, but the entire Bible is not written to you. Case and point. Judas, what that doest, do quickly. (laughs) Is that written to you? Come on, man. I'm not preaching heresy. I'm going to help us here. When Jesus said, take up your eye, you're right. Take your eye off. How many of you have plugged your eyes? Why are you disobeying Jesus? When he says you should cut off your right hand, why have you not cut it off? Why are you disobeying God? 
Of course, the Bible is written for us. But it's not all written to us. You must understand that. So now, with that in mind, let's go back and read 1 John 1, 9. And I'm saying this because I want you to be established in your forgiveness. Because if you are not established in it, what we're going to do tomorrow night will elude you. It will be a problem for you. So, again, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our anger. That's true, he said that. But let's read the beginning. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands, our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you. Now notice now, notice, notice, notice what is it? To you. To what? Say it back to me, please. To Good. So that indicates that John is talking to somebody other than himself. Other than his group. Okay? We declare to you. Verse 3. That what? You also. So whoever you is, is not where John is. About, you guys are not saying this then. This day and time where everybody tells the digital Bible. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not hearing your paper tongue. It's messing with my head. Doctor, professor, listen to up. <laughs> so, so, let me read it again. That which we've seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. What does that imply? It implies that you do not have fellowship right now. The you to which John is speaking does not have the fellowship that John has right now. So John is encouraging the you people that if you want to have what we have, if you want to join us, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So, John is taking these people, listen, you guys are not part of us yet. But if you want to be part of us, if you want your joy to be full, if you want what we have, the handle of word of life, if you want what we have, I'm going to show you how to get it. That's how you got to, if we confess our sins. It's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our righteousness. So that verse, yet and again, my brothers and my sisters, is not talking to you who are already currently sanctified, born again, Holy Ghost filled. No. Now, let me now explain, establish this. Does it mean that if I want to confess my sin, will God slap him for this? No, he will not. He will not. If you feel like you need to confess, go ahead. But what I'm just saying to you is, don't think that confession is what gets you to a point where God says, okay, I forgive you now. No, you were forgiven before you confessed it. If you need to get it off your chest because you just have to say something, it's okay, fine. If that's where you are, that's fine. But I'm saying to you, the confession does not bring you the favor. You're already favored. Oh my God. How many examples should God give us? How many examples? Israel was sinning big time. They went and hired a prophet. 
Come and help us curse these crazy people. They hired Balaam. Come and help us curse these Israelites. Ah, God said, Balaam. Whoever I have blessed cannot be cursed, though. Have you seen as much as Israel sinned? And God warned his prophet, you cannot curse them because I've already blessed them. We started last time, I said, you are blessed. So why would God now reverse his blessing to curse you? It's not possible. It's not possible. Now, you're doing things that's not good. You have told you it will hurt you. But that's on you, not on God. It's on you, not on God. Now, bring it to human plane. Because you and I live in a community. God's case is easy. It's taken care of. He has grace. He has mercy. He's, he's gracefully, out of his mercy, forgiving us, no problem. But how about me and you? So, it is not required of me to confess to God. Now, like I said, if you choose and want to do so, it's fine. As long as you realize your confession is not what brings God's favor upon your life, you're already favored. However, we, on the human plane, is confession necessary? If you want to mend that relationship, absolutely. Yes. 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 Husbands cannot hurt their wives. And they say, praise God, we are under, we are under grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are under grace. God is forgiving me. So, uh, honey, I slapped you last night. Today, I'll slap you twice. <laughs> we'll be moving you out of the house very, very quickly. <laughs> you can't do that. God is satisfied, but on a human plane, we have to, because we have to live in a community, we have to fix them. We have to, we have to live together in harmony. We cannot wound one another, hurt one another, and don't deal with it. Jesus had favor with God and with man. So I may have favor with God, but that favor of God will be lived out in the realm of mankind. Do you see the difference now? That's a big distinction that we must not take for granted. I heard God, he says, listen, before you did it, I've already forgiven you. I, I don't even remember it. Don't worry about it. It's done. But not with man. We need to fix it. We need to fix it. So I want to make sure we understand that distinction. With God, it's not required. With man, it is in your best interest. You should do it. You should fix it. You cannot keep on living in, in a human realm, wounding people, and leaving a trail of blood all over the place. Instead of attracting, you are attacking. You can't do that. You cannot do that. You will not be successful. You, you'll be an unsuccessful believer going to heaven. I don't need success in heaven. I need it here. So be sure to engage and fix your human relationship, whether it's at work, at home, in a marketplace, wherever it is. That's the only way we are going to live out the grace of God that's on our lives. It's huge. I mean, the person that spoke to me yesterday and said, you know, I cannot forget my spouse. I respect them for that. They said it. 
Others of us are in that same situation, but we sit on it. You see the difference? What, what that tells me is that person has enough humility to say, I need help. But for the rest of us, we're shouting, we're praising, and we live with that. And it eats us up in the inside. It's not good for you. Amen? Amen. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Do not forget his benefits. I forgives our iniquities. And then it goes on to say, heals our diseases. Redeems my soul from destruction. Protection. Okay? Counts my hair with the standard of loving kindness. Satisfies my mouth with good things. And renews my youth as the eagles. Pastor, Pastor doesn't come up. So, so, so the idea here is, the forgiveness becomes the key that unlocks the rest of the key for the rest of the blessings. You have to have the assurance that you are forgiven of God. You need to have that assurance. You need to have that assurance. God is not in heaven counting as we can do. You know, in the kindergarten, you count those beans. One, two, three. He's not counting your sins. He sent Jesus to take care of that. And it's already done. And he did it because of the exceeding abundant masses of his grace. So let's just rise up to our feet. Give me a mic for Pastor Tosin. 